What's up, everybody? Hey, Welcome we... back to Music Maniacs for Sight After Dark. We're Sight After Dark, your new favorite band. Hey. I'm Dan Berg. I'm C for Graffiti. So we're going right into it today because we got a lot to talk about. Oh my gosh. Do, 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 do. So we're bringing back an old series that we used to do. Uh huh. And today we're talking about the undisputed. <laughs> Best bass players of all time. That's right. Forget the subjection. And if you're wondering why it's undisputed, mm-hmm. it's because there's no one here to dispute us. That's right. And by the time you see this, guess what? It's too late. So, <laughs> so we're getting into it. We're talking about the bass. We're talking about slapping. Uh-huh. We're talking about popping. Yeah. We're talking about rocking. Yeah. <laughs> and we're getting into it. All right. So, so I'll... Okay, so first we should say we're talking about the bass guitar. Yeah. The electric bass. Yes, not the stand-up bass, even though we love it as well. Boom, 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 Mm -hmm. boom. It's a great instrument. Yes. Uh, That could be in a whole other podcast. Yes. There's a lot of other people that play that. It'll be in the Seinfeld podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we do the Seinfeld podcast. That'll be the main topic. Um, So we're talking about the electric bass guitar. Mm -hmm. Very Mm -hmm. important distinction here. Why is the bass so important? Because it's the backbone of the sound. That's right. It brings everything together. The bass sits in between the drums and everything else. Yeah. yeah. So you take away the bass and it just feels like there's something missing. Exactly. Right. The word non-cohesive comes to mind. Yes. Uh Yes. Non-cohesive. Non-cohesive music is something that we try to avoid at all costs. Uh (laughs) And as such, we like to pump up the fucking. We do, we do. All right, so I'm going to start it with a guy named, fuck, I've been trying to think of his name for so long. Paul Tootmark. Yes. Invented the electric bass. He did. In 1935. Mm -hmm. That is a long time ago. It is. It's before rock and roll. It is way before. It is decades. Yeah. (laughs) But... The thing is, when he invented it, it was he was a, he was a guy. He owned a small music shop in Seattle, mm-hmm. and he was like, you know, making these in his shop. So Why would he start there? Nothing good comes out of Seattle. Nothing good has ever come <laughs> out of Seattle. Nothing good musically. Nothing for sure. good musically. You can check. Yeah, history. <laughs> history will tell you. Um, so he invented the electric bass there. Yeah, and it was a fretless bass mm-hmm. with one pickup, mm-hmm. right? Um, but this was like a very small shop. So he only sold like a hundred of them during his whole like run of like the original thing. Like when he first invented it, it didn't like catch on like that. No. I wonder how how much he sold those, uh, bases for a pop. (laughs) Back in the day, 50 cents. Man. (laughs) And people were like, what am I made out of money? Exactly. (laughs) They're like, we're just surviving the depression here. (laughs) Like, come on. You think we got money for musical instruments? I don't even have money for bread. Exactly. But, um, he was trying to get that bread. (laughs) 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 But, uh, But yeah, so, so he invented it, but it didn't catch on until like 15 years later, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where our boy... Patience, Paul. Patience. Our boy came onto the scene. Yeah. His name mm-hmm. was Leo uh-huh. Fender. <laughs> Rings a bell. And he said, I like this idea. I'm going to make it so we can mass produce it. Mm-hmm. Because that was what he did. For y'all that don't know Leo Fender. Yeah. So obviously he started the Fender you know, company. They make so many famous instruments. Oh. So many famous guitars and amplifiers. I thought it was the Fender Benders. I thought he started with that. That but. was his original company, but okay. it, he didn't have like, you know, as much faith in it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he thought, you know, music is really what I want to get into. So okay. I'm going to start the Fender Instrument Company. Yeah. But fun fact, this guy never knew how to play any instrument in his life. That sounds like somebody who's going to start a factory of selling things. That it sounds like it happens today. Right? Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I don't really know how to play it, but I know how to make like the assembly line, I know like the logistics of making this a big business, mm-hmm. right? And that's what he did. And he created the Fender P bass for precision, Uh huh. right? <laughs> the P is for precision. <laughs> because if you play one of those basses, you got to be precise <laughs> or Leo's going to come after you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, and so Leo kills Paul. Yeah. And takes all of the He took glory. all the patents uh-huh. <laughs> out of Paul's safe that he had in Seattle. Uh-huh. And then he burned the house down. <laughs> and then Leo moved back to wherever the fuck he was living. I don't I even don't know. know where. We're going to call it LA. 
I was going to say Chicago. Okay. <laughs> he lived, he split his time between LA and Chicago. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, but yeah, so Leo Fender created the electric bass mm-hmm. that became super popular. Yeah. And it originally became popular in jazz, actually. Mm-hmm. And the first person to play like in a touring band and record electric bass was a man named Monk Montgomery, mm-hmm. whose brother was Wes Montgomery. Uh-huh. And he, I don't remember, he was in a big band. I don't remember what the big band was. I don't know. But I do remember the story. Okay, go The for story it. is that he, Leo originally intended like his bass to be more popular with like country artists. Mm-hmm. And then one day he was in New York and he was like going around different venues and he saw this big band and he like basically came in with a bass amp and with his electric bass and he let uh, Monk play it mm-hmm. and he really liked it. And the bass, the leader of the band also really liked it, which mm-hmm. is kind of more important because he's the one that's going to say, hey, you can do this. Right. Right. And they liked it so much that Leo was like, keep it. <laughs> hey, just it's on me. Uh-huh. The next time you need a bass, you give me a call. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how you do. That's that's good business right there. Uh-huh. Because Leo is a businessman. <laughs> damn it. All right. And he got them hooked on the electric bass. Yeah. And it basically kind of just slowly exploded from there yeah 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 definitely i mean what it added into the sound of all <laughs> what <laughs> what do you want from this bass it's a wonderful instrument and lots of people are picking it up so now what it's going through the big bands it's going through the different states mm-hmm. and it's growing and it's growing and musically music is growing with the space yes yeah yes because it, it gets a foothold in this new up-and-coming genre by the name of Rock and Roll. And Elvis's bass player, Bill Black, mm-hmm. was one of the first people to use it in the rock context. Yeah. And he actually started when he was playing with Elvis. He was still doing the double bass. Yeah. And you can see that old footage. Definitely. Where boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But apparently it's really funny. Like I was just reading about this. Apparently like Elvis was kind of shy when he was starting out. Mm-hmm. And Bill was actually kind of the more charismatic one. So mm-hmm. he would like... You can see the crowd. it. Yes. And you can see it when mm-hmm. you look at the, he's dancing you know, with that thing. All over the place. <laughs> it's like his bass is his partner. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never. Yeah, that's cute. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, we'll do a waltz this song. The next song's a little faster. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so he, he does that. And then he eventually switches over to the electric bass. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the electric bass was such a big deal is really just for convenience because <laughs> you think about how big the old timey bass was yeah like a mat i see people rolling those around in the city we live in new york city if yeah. i didn't know i see people rolling around new york city with those on the street still mm-hmm. and i'm like bro what are you doing yeah <laughs> you've seen that right you're yeah. just like this thing is giant it's huge but they gotta get there they gotta practice 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 they gotta do it they gotta go play jazz in front of 20 people i wonder how they get to midtown because i only see them are, are pretty much around midtown right you <laughs> never see true. them right you don't see them like in bushwick rolling that thing around or yeah, in yeah, flatbush yeah. rolling it around they only take uber xls yeah and they just put <laughs> i need an escalade i have two instruments i'm gonna put in the back and it's gonna be the whole car i gotta take a separate car because <laughs> the bases take up so much space Aww. but anyway yeah so the reason they it caught on so much is because people are like oh like i can just carry this mm-hmm. into the venue like mm. this is way easier exactly so it, not only does it sound better uh, well better is a relative term sounds bigger yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely electrifying. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's bigger. You can hear it from, you know, a bigger distance away. So mm. uh, it's loud, it's crazy, and it just goes, it fits with the rock and roll music. Yes. I think so. Absolutely. So, but it's really interesting the way that things were at the time is because a lot of like bands and artists were not self-contained at the time, mm-hmm. right? They weren't writing and performing all of their own instruments and all of their own songs and all that stuff. Correct. So what's something that was really popular at the time were session musicians, mm-hmm. right? And this is where like the first, this, this era of bass, like from like late fifties, early sixties was kind of dominated by like session players. Session players who really like to rhyme the first consonant of their first name with their last name. What is up with that? That's a good point. It kind of went into the 80s too a little bit. Yeah. Why did you do it, guys? 
Which one do you want to start with? I want to start with a female. Um, these two uh, consonants sound the same. It's Carol Kay. Shout out. Yeah. The legend. She's a session musician. She's more heard than she is seen. And in the huge pile of bassists, you know, there are few females. So we've got to mention her, I feel like. You and know what's funny about what? that? Yeah. Is that she's probably put out more than like most of the other bass players we're going to talk about combined. Yes. She is... An absolute legend. Yes. She's been on like ten thousand recordings. Yeah, it is crazy how much Carol. Like, if you don't, if the name, it's crazy because a lot of people might not recognize the name Carol mm-hmm. K. Just right. like not that. Carol Kane. No, right, Carol K. K A Y E. Right. She, you have one thousand percent heard a song that she has played. Yeah, there is no way that you could be a grown person in the year that we're in. Yeah, which I will not say because next year it could be a different year. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But. <laughs> <laughs> but you have her. She's played on everything. Just about everything. Um, I'm just going to pick a favorite, which is River Deep, Mountain High, because I didn't hear that song till I was like older than 10. Mm. And I fig- I felt like at that point that I had heard most of the Motown-ish kind of songs, the Wall mm-hmm. of Sound kind of popular songs. And I remember the first time I heard River Deep, Mountain High, like my mind just almost exploded. I felt mm. like I was going to a mountain. But she played on that um, song by Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. And um, that was amazing. That was beautiful, but of course, she's done like I want to say millions. You might as well say millions more. Trillions. <laughs> she also did. I mean, this is this is the thing. There's so many songs that she played on that I'm not gonna try to name the most popular ones. The one, if you said one, I'll say one. Good Vibrations, Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. So that's already look at the range that we're already getting. Yeah, you know what I mean. In two songs, it's yeah. it's wild. And listen, and think about that bass in both different ones. Like, what a magnificent musician she was. Mm-hmm. Like. Carol, shout out to you. And it's funny because her, like, I, this is kind of a thing that happens a lot, I feel like. She started as a guitar player, mm-hmm. as a jazz guitar player. And then she was in a session one day and the bass player just, like, didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'll step in. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of ended up realizing she really liked playing the bass. Yeah. And not only did she really like it, but she was really good at it. Really good. So she ended up being basically the house bassist for L.A. Yeah. I mean, she was working with Phil Spector. She was, work- what was it, like the Wrecking Crew? Yes. yes right? She yep. was the bass the bass player of this house band that recorded for so many people. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy. Like, if you don't know who she is, like, look her up and just look at the list. Yeah. And you'll be like, this one too? Exactly. Also this one? And some beautiful bass lines. Memorable yeah. ones too. That's Absolutely. just the thing as well. It's something about, you know, the bass is really great. A lot of people remember guitar riffs. They remember drum fills and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like when you can remember exactly how the bass played out, that's yeah. how you know you've got like a really great bassist. That's true. Yeah, and it's funny you said that because we were talking about this before. This might be, I feel the most unprepared for this podcast (laughs) of any podcast we've done because the more that I've researched bass players, the more I realize how many bass players I didn't know. Yeah. Because it's so easy to not think about the bass player Mm -hmm. until you want to think about the bass player. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the rhythm section pretty much holds the back down and they actually stay back there, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just hard to realize... um, Who's playing what? Let's say like um, Malcolm Young. You know, I pointed him out to my friend the other day. I'm like, that's Angus's brother in the background playing. He's like, oh, you I'm like, look, they even move the same. Like, yeah. you know, and it's just so funny how you can just only pay attention to. He was rhythm singer. guitar, though. Yeah. Oh, shit. He was rhythm guitar, not bass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was rhythm guitar. But Spare let's just her say in the he comments. was bass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought Angus played drums. Uh, he does. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Malcolm was the singer? Yes. Ah. Uh, okay. Yes. Right, right, right. And Bon, Bon was a lead guitarist. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. I yeah. don't know why I was got those confused in my head. Yep, 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 yep. And that's how it goes. But yeah, rhythm section pretty much holds the back down, so you don't really get to pay attention to them, whether they're Malcolm or not. And yeah. then, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to, it's, um, it's easy to forget about the bass. Yeah. Um, so talking about, and you kind of brought this up earlier, you were talking about the Motown kind of sound. Mm -hmm. Let's get into the other biggest session bassist. Yeah. Uh, fellow by the name of James Jamerson. Uh Uh-huh. Which is, I love that name because it sound it almost sounds like you're making somebody up. Yeah. Like who, who was that guy that you were with? It was James Jamerson. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But he, he let his bass do the talking for him. Yeah. He let you know he was very real. Yes. Real person. (laughs) He was very real. Because you, you can't fake this. You can't fake what he was doing. He mm-hmm. literally, I, I read this statistic the other day. 
He played on 95% of all the Motown recordings that came out during yeah. the classic Motown era. Yeah. Hear that through the grapevine. Right. What? Yeah. The 95% and it's so there's so many songs, there's so many artists. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know how much we've really talked about this on podcasts before, but Motown is just a music factory. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally, you talk about session players. It's like, okay, we have this band that is playing for everybody. Yeah. We're just bringing different singers in and out, basically. Exactly. We got other people that are writing the songs. We got Smokey. You know, he's doing his thing. We got all other songwriters. And we're just switching out singers, basically. And mm-hmm. it's all Motown. And we're just pumping that shit out. And America loved it. Loved it. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. You know, but less distractions back then in the days. You know, mm-hmm. um, I would say a lot of those session musicians would have been happy kind of to be changed to a studio and yeah. have a working gig from Monday to Friday. Yeah. You know. Well, it's funny because um, you could make so much more money doing that than like playing out in clubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, being on tour kind of sucks. So they don't have to do that. Right. <laughs> they just get to wake up, drive to the studio, lay down some tracks, go home, exactly. be with their family. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. You know what I mean? Let the, the singers go out on tour. Yeah, they can have fun with that. You know. And then, then the singers have to get harassed all the time because people know who they are. Exactly. And the bass player is just behind them like, that sucks. <laughs> but um, yeah, so James, I mean, just almost every Motown song that you can think of. He was on he, it. Yeah. It's, Basically. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's, he's just, the, just the, the feel that he had was just amazing. The notes that he used were just great. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you just got to go listen to some of them. Of course. You know? Of course. Of course. Undeniable great bass lines. Um, let's come down the line. Well, I'm coming down the line. I'm going to mention Les Claypool as a bassist. Oh, we're going all the way. Oh, shit. I'm just coming down the line. You want to go in, 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 in order? I was going to say one more Okay. that was around that era and yeah. then get into later wh- on. whoever we want to do. Okay. Oh, and by the way, we should have probably said this earlier. This is not a comprehensive list. <laughs> if anything, think of this as a part two or part one. Yeah. Because there easily could be a part two. There's going to be people that we miss. There's so many people that have played the bass in the world. Yeah. That are great at playing the bass. These are just, you know, we're just going for it. So yeah. let us know who we missed and, and all that good stuff. Definitely. Um, I want to talk about Larry Graham. Okay. Because he invented a whole new style of playing the bass. Yes, he did. I mean, it, oh, would, would you look at that? I just so happen uh-huh. to have a bass right over here. Oh, my. So, <laughs> so it's like, I'm trying to think of how to do this so that the microphone will pick it up. Because <laughs> it's like most of the time, people would just be playing with their fingers. Right? Mm-hmm. But Larry was like, he basically wanted to make the bass kind of like the drums as well. Yes. Right? So he had like the low and the high. So he wanted to... He, he, it's called a slapping and popping, right? Absolutely, yeah. So he would slap the low and then pop the high. So it kind of would be like... You know, so it would be more of like a like a rhythmic yeah. you know, feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know how to play a bass, Dan. I think, I think you should get one. I've never touched a bass before. You should try it out. I've never touched a guitar before. <laughs> I'm just really good at bullshitting. <laughs> All right, stay... Okay, it's good. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of hard to explain how important that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like the Eddie Van Halen on the bass. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so many people have been able to, like, all of funk music mm-hmm. kind of stems from what Larry. he was doing there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is something that I found out today. Okay. Which yeah. blew my mind. I need to know this. Larry Graham. Uh-huh. Has a nephew yes. by the name of Aubrey Drake Graham. Uh, really? AKA Drake. Drake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. He's fucking Drake. Like, what? Yeah. Larry yeah. Graham is Drake's uncle? <laughs> That's Drake. wild. How come you don't mention him in your raps? That's, I mean, that just blew my mind. Yeah, I mean. I, can't, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, their family is just musical shit, I guess. Like, I guess so. I mean, how come how come Larry didn't play bass on some of those Drake tracks? Maybe he did. We don't even know. <laughs> you never know. But yeah, like apparently Larry's brother is Drake's dad. Yeah. It's not even like a far family tree. It's like, oh yeah, that's my nephew. That's hilarious. It's wild. But anyway, he played um for Sly and the Family Stone. Mm-hmm. And then he also had his own band, Graham Central Station, which is a dope name. <laughs> I love that name. 
<laughs> yeah, he just he went for it, and he he's so influential as far as bases go. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, coming down to another influential basis, Les Claypool, who is known for his the South Park theme song. <laughs> And his thick bass riffs. And, you know, uh, they asked him, like, why? Why do you choose the bass? And he's just like, that's just the crayon that he pulled out of the box. It just happened. That's the one. Okay. It could have been another one. And I would have been great at that, too. I, that's what I got from it. Like, it was one of the best. I'm things. laughing because that's, I could so see him saying, not the necessarily I would have been great at all of it, but the I just picked the crayon out of a box. Yeah. Because he's such a weird guy. Uh huh. But it's, he's so good at the bass. Yeah. And he's singing while he's playing the bass, too. Yeah. Which that's is a whole other level that is a whole nother level i mean the bass is huge you know and you have to do so many different things with your fingers compared to like a guitar it's mm -hmm. like you hold it a little bit differently and lay it less lays it lay it less, less lays what, it down yeah that's what i want to call them lay it less lays it down i was hoping to get through that without tripping up but it you got it i kind of got <laughs> you got it but yeah that's another world-class basis that if you don't know which i feel like a lot of you viewers who are going to watch this bass thing you're definitely going to know who he is, but if you don't. You guys don't like the bass, do you? <laughs> Comment below if you like the bass. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess at this point, like, we got through, like, the early ones that are, like, the really, like, the big, yeah. like, breakthrough bass players. So yes. I think I, we're just going to bounce around and talk about whoever the fuck we want to talk about at this yeah. point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why not? So I want to talk about uh, Flea. Okay. I want to talk about Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm -hmm. who is my, I don't know if I can say he's my favorite, but he's definitely the person that I've listened to the most and thought, that's a crazy bass line. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so many Red Hot Chili Pepper songs that are built around the bass. And that if you were to change any bit of the bass line, the whole song would be different. Mm -hmm. Like, he's almost he's almost a lead instrument. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, uh, when I was younger and they had first come out, I didn't even think it was a bass he was playing because mm -hmm. he played it so well. And then when I got older and was meeting different musicians and somebody would talk about a bass, they'd be like, oh, this bassist, he's really good. He's like Flea. That makes you feel like, oh, then he's a good bassist. He's a really, yeah. really good bassist. So yeah, Flea's bass lines are like lead guitar riffs. If uh, Frustrante wasn't so good, you would almost just hyper focus on um on flea and it's the truth and basically oh yeah and so he's doing well obviously he's a lot of different you know styles and stuff and sometimes he's a little more melodic and all that but his like main style was like basically larry graham on speed yes right because it was just slap it and pop slap, it pop, so slap, fast pop, slap pop slap pop pop slap like so fast i'll be looking at like videos of him like how are your hands still on your arms like exactly. how are they not falling off your wrist he writes it down slap pop pop pop, pop slap pop, slap yes ah. yes you gotta you gotta know it going it's like in morse code <laughs> or else you don't get it but i've always thought that flea was an amazing bass player it's funny because i've seen some people in some comments be like oh well he's nothing compared to He's great. I don't care what you. I don't care what anyone says in the comments. Give me all your flea hate. He is a great bass player. Who? Yeah. Who, who? I don't know how anyone could argue that. But I've yeah. seen people try to do it, which is just a joke to me. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, they may not like the um, conglomerate of all the music together surrounding flea. Maybe mm. that's what diminishes their love for flea. But you can just mute all those tracks and put his up, and I challenge you. To say he's a bad bass player. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Um, I would say if I had to pick one song to for you to really like as an example of what he can do, I would say Aeroplane. Okay. I would say that's the one that I'm like, that's a, that's a nice bass line. Yeah. Like, you can't argue that. Mm -hmm. But there's just so many. There are for real um since we're just going all over the place i love john and whistle i'll mention him over and over the again ox. that is the strong bass ox of the who um really kind of like kind of quiet demeanor he's not wild and rocking out like the other three musicians but his bass lines are so thick and they are so gelling i'm gonna say that they really bring together the chaos of the band yes you know that is a really good point because the music of the Who, especially when Keith with Keith Moon, mm -hmm. is so wild that you have to have something to hold it down. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, the drums and the bass were kind of holding it down together. But Keith Moon was just so wild, mm -hmm. and we talked about this in our Greatest Drummers podcast. Mm -hmm. He almost played the drums like a lead instrument. Yeah. So it's like something's got to center the sound, yeah. or it's just going to sound 
like crazy. Yeah. And I think he did one of the, I think on my generation was like the first rock bass solo. Oh. Because obviously there was like jazz bass solos before. Of course. But I'm pretty sure, at least for like, at least like popular one, mm-hmm. I think. And he tears it up. He really does tear it up. I mean, what a great bassist. His fingers are like made out of bricks. I yeah. swear to God. It's crazy. <laughs> Because he can hold a note for so long and let it resonate. You know, you really hear it. You always hear his bass note holes peeping out of all the wildness of the music. Yeah. Like it just rockets right through it. I feel like he beats the shit out of those strings. Mm-hmm. Like he, like it literally sounds like he's hitting them hard. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not just like do to do boom 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 boom. Like yeah, you could feel it. You yeah. know what I mean. And I heard um also that's because he used to instead of playing it down here, he used to play like on the neck. Like he would hit the strings like above the neck, so yeah. that would make the tone different. Okay. Um, and then yeah, he would just play so fast that it's like. Sometimes he the what what he was doing was so part of the music I almost didn't even realize it was there, if that makes sense. It's true. No, you can that happens with the bass a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it holds it, the music down really well, but at the same time, you can easily not pay attention to it and listen to all like the higher keys, the higher tones, whether it's the vocalist or the um, guitarist and all the other lighter instruments that you throw in. But the bass can definitely get lost, even though it's a important thread. When it comes, when it gets removed, you notice it yes. a lot more yeah. than when it's there. Like this music is so trebly. Right. Where's right. the bass? Right. And I think that me that's just a, a testament to like fitting in mm-hmm. and, and just doing what the song needs mm-hmm. as opposed to just like trying to show out. Because mm-hmm. if you're just like sinking back into the groove, you don't really think about, that's why they say rhythm section, drums and bass. You're just like, oh, that's the groove. Mm-hmm. You're not always thinking, oh, well, the bass is doing this while the drums is doing this, blah, blah, blah. It just kind of becomes one thing yeah. that's like propelling the song. Yeah. So if you are a bass player that like you fit in the song like that, I feel like that's almost a compliment for somebody to not even realize. Yeah. You know what I mean? In like a weird way. Yeah. Not that I'd be like, dude, I didn't even know you were playing. I wouldn't call that a compliment. Right. But like the music fitting in so well, I think would be. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who else, who else should we talk about? Uh, Jack Bruce. Jack Bruce. Mm -hmm. He played in a band called Cream. It's one of those bands. Ginger Baker and some other dude. Yeah. And uh, he also kind of tore it up. Mm -hmm. He definitely tore it up. Like, I could listen to his bass riffs by themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome bassist, Jack Bruce. Shout out to Jack Bruce. If you've never heard of Cream or Eric Clapton or Ginger Baker. Who? What was that second name? Uh You got me confused. Claiborne Erickson. Oh, that actually sounds way cooler. Yeah, it actually that sounds, sounds like, like a, a country name. artist. Yeah, it does. Sounds like a name from back in the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um, but yeah, shout out to Jack Bruce. Jack, uh, there's just so many names. That's what I'm saying. It's like, at some point, it's just like you just got to say names and hope that you get all the people. Yeah. But we're definitely going to miss people. Mm-hmm. Um, who else would... So, Sifa doesn't want to talk about this guy. Stop. <laughs> everybody talks about him he's too big he got too big on me (laughs) way too big Uh uh-huh we're talking about a guy named paul mccartney all right if you've ever heard of him i don't know if you guys i don't know if you guys have ever heard of him so obvious i feel like he's known more as you know a songwriter and a singer Mm -hmm. but don't get it twisted he is a great bass player yeah yeah he has some great super memorable bass lines that like we were saying like if you were to take some of these bass lines out of these Beatles songs it'd be like what happened to this song yeah <laughs> you know what I mean like mm-hmm. there's so many examples I think Come Together is probably the most yeah noticeable one absolutely you know but there's a lot though yeah he, I mean, even some of his own solo work, you mm-hmm. know, you mentioned like, let's say if you mention any songs like a uh, band on the run, like, I mean, there's so many that they were, there's even a light blaze bass, but it's just so melodic. Right. I feel like with, with Paul, it's more of like a melody kind of thing going on mm-hmm. with his bass, as opposed to, you know, a hard slap or, you know, a heavy hold of a note. Right. It's like, you could, you can also sing along to Paul's bass lines as well. Well, that's another thing I feel like it has to do with him being a, a guitar player first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that is something that, like we were saying, that kind of comes up a lot. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you start 
And that was another thing that was really important about the precision bass mm-hmm. because it had frets on it. Yeah. So it was really easy if you were a guitar player just to be like, oh, well, I'll just play the bass. So it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just an octave lower. Mm-hmm. I know how to play it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so Paul, having played guitar first, picking up the bass, he might be thinking of it in a more melodic sense than somebody that started just as the bass. Yeah. Just as I'm trying to be, you know, in between the drums and the guitar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that's... That's interesting. And we had to shout him out. Of course. He's he's very good at what he does. Yeah. <laughs> say, say, say comes to mind with Michael Jackson. I feel like the bass work on that was really good, too. I'm, I'm starting to think of, like, all his non-Beatle achievements. Mm. But, yeah, that one was good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Paul. All right, of, Paul. You belong. You belong with us. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> who Do you know who did the bass on Billie Jean? Because no. I, I don't. I, I looked it up. This is the thing. There's so many names to remember. Yeah. I looked it up literally earlier today. I can't remember it now. Oh, man. But y'all y'all knew who it is, right? <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> but there, there's just so many. Um, we're, we're, we're Sting? Mm-hmm. That was another... He's Sting another one that it's kind of like... Um, I feel like it's more is less with him. Yeah. Because he's not doing crazy like runs of notes mm-hmm. like a, like Fleetwood, right? But he's just kind of hitting the notes exactly where they need to be mm-hmm. in relation to the chords. Yeah. And then when you have him combined with like Stuart Copeland, mm-hmm. it's like the rhythm section just flies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's another one that's singing while he's doing this, which if we're just talking about bass, that doesn't really mean anything. But it's hard. It's so hard to do, and to be playing these really beautiful bass lines yeah while you're also singing in a pretty good voice yeah it's hard to do yeah it is and yeah it's very rhythmic and he kind of makes me want to sway into not anybody in particular but i just want to shout out the reggae bass yes because that is like i mean sting kind of carries it into a little bit of rock but it's integral the bass is integral in the reggae sound you know, Sting kind of does that minimal thing, and the reggae bass is very minimal, but also maximus at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I would say the bass is the most important yeah. instrument in reggae. Like, yeah. By far. Yeah. Yeah. Small, regular, you know, and yeah. but it's like, it's enough to get you sucked into that groove and that vibe. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. A lot of reggae music, um, before dance hall is mm. is what I'm really like honing in on like right now. Right. And those are some good notes, good tunes and stuff like that. Who doesn't love that era of reggae? Right. Mm-hmm. Tell and us in the comments. <laughs> is it you? <laughs> I hate reggae. <laughs> well, but sp- speaking of kind of a reggae rock-ish kind of thing, I want to shout out uh, Paul Simonon Gar- from okay. The Clash. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said Paul Simon and I was like Garfunkel. Simonon. Oh, Simonon. Okay. Yeah, S- yeah. I know how to spell it. I don't yeah, S-I-M-N-O-N. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he was... Well, it's funny with him because when he started playing in the class, he, typical like punk, he had no idea how to play bass. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up really like expanding what the bass was in rock and in punk music because he started bringing in these kind of like reggae lines because he grew up in like a Caribbean neighborhood. So yeah. he was hearing that kind of shit all over the place. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I'm playing the bass now. Like, well, let me bring some of this into what you guys are doing with just these guitar chords. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's super influential, obviously. Yeah. You know? And for him, uh, Guns of Brixton. That's shot, a good one. Shot that. I want to Can we try to think of like one song for Try all the people everybody? that we... Doom, you know doom, what I mean? Do, 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 do. Copyrighted. <laughs> Could you imagine? Right. You did two notes of a bass. I just the you. bass line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, shout out to him. He's great. And it's funny. Talking about like punk rock, it's like... I wouldn't call any punk rock bassist necessarily the greatest basses of all time. But we got to shout him out at some point. Like, Yeah, yeah. That's how I felt about um, when I just mentioned the reggae music. You know, I can't find every single reggae bass player from all the different bands from back in those times. Yeah. But you got to shout out the reggae bass just like you got to shout out the punk bass. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You have to. Because it's such a different thing. Like, the punk bass is just like, I'm just going to play as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just using, like, one note. do 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 do
Hey. Shout out to Forest Hills. Queens. Yeah. Dee Dee Ramone from, I was going to say The Clash, but I wanted to say something that's not the Ramones. The Sex Pistols? Yes. Damn, I fucked it up. Anyway. I got you. All right. Dee Dee Ramone from The Sex Pistols. Very innovative bassist. Yeah, way better than the actual bass player in the Sex Pistols. <laughs> you know him. I don't even know. Should we even say him? He didn't even know how to fucking play bass. No, that's why I wanted to just shout out the punk bass. Yeah, so we're not going to say this yeah, Sex Pistols guy. Punk is a lot of young kids who didn't really know it. Self-admittedly, did not did not know the bass really well or the instruments. They just right. knew like three chords. Right. But it's still made for like long-standing music, which is kind of what I kind of say about... Um, uh, a lot of other artists that don't play the bass, but anyway, I was going to mention. <laughs> I was going to mention one artist. We'll mention some other time for guitars. Okay, <laughs> we'll get back to that. Uh-huh. Uh, but that is why I wanted to shout out Paul specifically because he started as not knowing bass at all, and then he ended up really being able to play the bass. Yeah, you know what I mean. He wasn't just doing do 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 do. He was doing all the other kind of stuff, and it, you know, it took some time to get to that, but he did get to that. Yeah. So I wanted to shout that out. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about Cliff Burton? Can we talk about Metallica? Yeah. <laughs> or should I say, yeah. <laughs> Cliff Burton, if he lived longer, I would probably be like universally known as like the greatest metal bassist Absolutely. ever, right? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because Metallica was around before Cliff Burton was in the band. Mm-hmm. And they basically saw him one day and they were like, how do we get this guy? Right. This guy is amazing. And talk about playing a bass like a lead instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would take solos in Metallica concerts, and he would he would the the tone of his bass. He would have it so distorted and fuzzed out. Like I almost had no idea it was a bass. Yeah. On the on Metallica's first album, there's a song Anesthesia, Pulling mm-hmm. Teeth, mm-hmm. which I guess will be the one the one song we shout out for him because yeah. it's basically it's just a bass solo. Yeah. And he just it's crazy. It doesn't even sound like a bass. And then you don't even realize it's a bass until you hear a guitar over it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now I'm like thinking about it really And then hard. you think of like For Whom the Bell Tolls. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Like I did not realize that was bass for years. Wow. Yeah. Literally years. I thought that was a guitar riff until I saw like a live video. Of the, I'm like, oh, why is the bass player doing that? Was that the bass the whole time? The whole time. The whole time damn time cliff haunts you from the grave yeah recipes to cliff if y'all don't know we'll, we gotta do a metallic episode soon oh man yeah that's the next one why Could not be. yeah but yeah unfortunately um their tour bus flipped over and he he didn't make it everyone else did except for him yeah oh but he was he was absolutely amazing and it's like if you talk i feel like if you talk to like any metalhead to this day about bass players they they'll they'll bring him up mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. so got had to shout out cliff yeah we'll shout out an okay bassist named mike star he's all right ah <laughs> just kidding we love mike star shout out to alice in chains yeah we did a podcast if you haven't seen it who is better nirvana or alice in chains dan forced me to choose nirvana so i had to be anti-mike but i'm all for mike in this podcast see if it forced me to be alice in chains it wasn't my idea <laughs> i definitely didn't think about that but <laughs> yeah no Mike Starr, very melodic. Yes. Very melodic. And sometimes he could go like the low, like chunky bass to really like, you know, thicken out the sound. Uh-huh. But I feel like him, he really just hit notes that were just like pretty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy about metal music? Cliff too, in a way, you know, we were yeah. just talking about him, but the, how these metal musicians, you know, they're so gruff and they're so aggressive looking and they could make like the prettiest sounds and and, and the bass, the lowest mm-hmm. range instrument that you have, how you can make it sound so pretty and light is yeah. just fascinating. Because they're really sweethearts. I believe down. that though. I believe that looking at the members of like Al- definitely Jerry. It's a just a tough Mike. exterior to guard themselves. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, shout out to Mike Starr. Yeah. Shout out. Should we shout out Chris? <laughs> Why not? I mean, those are some really good bass grooves. Yeah. <laughs> Nirvana. People were mad at me because I said that Chris was overrated. <laughs> Which I still kind of think, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not taking it back. Never apologize, okay? But he does have some great bass lines. He yes. has some undeniable bass lines mm-hmm. that, as soon as you hear it, you're like, I know exactly what song this is. Exactly. That's obviously Teen Spirit, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now I feel like I'm just trying to rattle through names. 
Because there's so many. I know. I don't have a particular song for Rush because I'm not a huge Rush fan, but I do love Geddy Lee's bass. I mean, what's really contrasting is his voice is so That's high, true. But his instrument is so low. He did it on purpose. He's a witch. Yeah. Oh, you just made me think of something. I'll, I'll talk about Getty a little more, but you just made me think of someone else. Yeah, Getty, great bass player. Mm-hmm. And it is funny how, because we were saying that we're not super big fans of his high-pitched voice. Yeah. But it is interesting how he's is doing the high, the highest high and the lowest low at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And just like how smart you have to be to pull that off. Yes. Just like the intelligence. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just to be able to... Keep that all in track in your brain in real time. Thanks for making us the middle, Getty, right? He's the high and the low, and we the people come in right in the center. (laughs) I think she's onto something here. (laughs) But speaking about the high and the low, do you know who I'm going to say? No. Peter Cetera. Woo-hoo! Whoa, Peter! Oh, my gosh. Peter Cetera from... Well... From the band Chicago, but also other things. Yeah. He, I would say he's one of the most underrated bass players. Yeah. Because I do not hear people talk about him that much. That's true. But some of the bass lines in Chicago, like, he is jamming yeah. out. He's really carrying some of these songs in the rhythm section. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is something that I feel like this has to do with Chicago in general because the band is, there's so many people in that band. Yeah. But I do feel like it is easy for no one particular person to get the shine, like, like, Terry Kath should be way more known than he is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, the horns just took over Chicago in a way. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, that they, was like the gimmick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, oh well, oh well. But Peter Cetera has great bass lines. Absolutely. And he, again, has that high voice. So mm-hmm. he's really covering, like, all spectrums mm-hmm. of the music all at once. Exactly. Peter, Getty, if you haven't met, team up. Do something. It's time. <laughs> The time is now. Exactly. Um, who else should we talk about? I'm gonna pick Nikki Six. Never heard of him. <laughs> Cause I was a very tiny, small child, and some of those bass lines were like alarming, and you know what I mean. Yeah. And wild. Not necessarily one of the best best bassists of all time. Definitely one of the most known. Undisputed. <laughs> but I find a lot of bass grooves in um, Motley Crue music very memorable you know he kind of outshines the guitarist from who was a great guitarist in my opinion that is 100 percent true mick mars another one with the double consonants recently retired yeah um that is actually 100 percent true i've thought about that all the time i knew all the members in motley crew by name except for the guitar player for a while yeah which is wild to me because i'm a guitar player mm-hmm. and i didn't even realize think about mick mars right it's like you when you think of motley crew you think about tommy lee you think about vince you think about nikki six yeah it is almost like mick mars is kind of left in the background yeah yeah so i mean i didn't really think about that yeah so it's kind of a testament to nikki's bass you know it kind of like covers a lot of bases <laughs> ah oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, well, if we're in if we're in that kind of era, let me shout out Duff McKagan. Oh yes, absolutely. He's he's really interesting as far as bass players go because he's like right in the middle between like a metal bass player and a punk bass player. Yeah, ideally. yeah. Right, because some of the time he he will just do 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 do, but then other times he's really doing some some fancier shit. Absolutely. And then other times he'll like in the beginning of Sweet Child of Mine, he'll literally he'll have a bass solo. Uh huh. And it's beautiful, and everybody knows that. Yeah, beautiful. And, it, and he's another. He's a perfect example of doing on the bass what the song needs. Yeah, yeah. I actually found a picture of Guns N' Roses where Duff is right in the middle, and we should probably use that picture for when we mention him because okay. it's an awesome picture. Send it to me so I know. Yeah. The exact right picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, why didn't we have this for our GNR podcast? The picture is really dope. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to GNR and, and dope pictures all over the world. Uh-huh. Um, Jaco. Jaco Pastorius. Another very cool name, mm-hmm. I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a whole long name, which is like Jaco Anthony something Pastorius the third. Just in case you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. He really plays beautifully. Mm-hmm. He again, you talk about. Not only is it melody, but I feel like he's really good at cutting through 
whatever mix is happening. Yeah. Like, he's one of the ones that, like, I remember we we did some videos. We were listening to some Joni Mitchell songs. Yes. It's like the bass really shone through. He yeah. definitely brings a lot of feel. Because like we were saying, you can play bass and easily sink into the groove or sink into whatever's happening. But with him, he was never playing against the groove. Yeah. But he was still standing out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And which is really great for, let's say with Joni, um, like folk music. Folk music can evoke a lot of feeling, but not, if I'm picking it apart, not necessarily a lot of soul. You know what I mean? And Jacko really brought the soul into Joni's music with her, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was a cool blend. That's true. And thinking about that, like when you you think about folk music, you think about like a lot of like strumming Mm -hmm. on acoustic guitars. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the bass kind of like weaving in and out of the chords and the strumming can really have a higher impact yeah. than if the guitar was doing more. Yeah. But it's almost like the bass is just, is really just filling in everything. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what he was doing mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. sounded great. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, check out Jacko if you never heard of him either. This is for, I guess, younger generation people. Cause I know a lot of you, uh, baby boomers and, um, flower children have definitely heard of him. Shout out. Shout out to you guys. Shout out two damn it's like it's, it's like who do i even want to go with uh lemmy mm-hmm. the ace the ace of spades <laughs> and he's another one it's like he played it was punk but it was also metal at the same time mm-hmm. and it's like that's what it's like well motorhead is only a three-piece band like imagine motorhead without lemmy's bass exactly like that would not be it just I don't want to say it would suck. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to say, like just going off like with the flow. But I'm like, that's that would be kind of dramatic. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't even imagine listening to Motorhead without the bass. Like right. the bass is just so fat. Like the tone of it, it just it's giant. Yeah, and it kind of fits his personality. Yeah, I feel. yeah. Uh, did you know Lemmy was a roadie for Jimi Hendrix? I did know that. I didn't know that until recently. Isn't that, that blew crazy? My mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you know that Lemmy is Drake's uncle? <laughs> He is? They look alike. Yeah. Something about the beard. No. Yeah, in the birthmark. <laughs> um, oh, man. So, yeah, Lemmy's a legend. Yeah. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm here forgetting names again. But um, I love Living Colors bassist. I like their music. Like, yeah. Cult of Personality. I love Living Colors bassist. Um, I know Corey's the lead singer. And I just forgot the bassist name, but he'll get a picture as well. (laughs) Pictures will be on the screen. So if you're listening and you're not watching, you might want to check it out on the YouTubes for the visual aspect of the podcast. (laughs) Um, John Paul Jones. Okay. This is the thing that's about John Paul Jones that's so impressive to me is like he is from Led Zeppelin. He is... A amazing bass player mm-hmm. especially when you listen to the live recordings of Led Zeppelin you really get a feel for how amazing he is yeah but when I think of John Paul Jones I don't even really think of him as a bass player I think of him as just a multi-instrumentalist yeah because he's got the synth and like he does a lot of other what things. can he not play exactly exactly you know this is why they, they don't invite him sometimes to certain things they get a little jealous I know I, I see you Jimmy and Robert I mean he is crazy talented yeah it is and it, just to be able to match John Bonham as the rhythm section, mm-hmm. imagine how good you have to be. So calmly, too. You know? Like, yeah. it's just like a neat style of playing. He's not mm-hmm. wilding out at all at the bass. He just really knows how to simmer into the wildness. That's true. That's the way to say it. Because he doesn't simmer it down. Right. He's just, he's in there. Holding he's, it up, basically. He's like, when you boil a pot, now the, the bubbles are right at the top of the water. Yeah. That's John. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, no, he's just amazing. I mean, some of the, some of the bass lines, just like, they're so memorable. You, again, it's like, you don't even realize that it's a bass line sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, wow, why am I blanking? I always blank as soon as the camera turns on. On the spot. I swear I'm not this dumb, guys. <laughs> Ramble on. Yeah. Do, 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 Yeah. That's legendary. Yeah, it is. It's so legendary. And this is another guy that was a studio musician. Yeah. And that's the only reason that he even met Jimmy Page to start Led Zeppelin is because Jimmy Page was also a studio musician. Exactly. So being a studio musician was just like a workout for your 
for, for your, your brain, brain and for your instrument. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. That's a good way to go. That's like school. Like you're, you know, when you're like constantly in college, like you, you still like up with everything, all the current events, everything right. that's being spread to the masses, you learn it right there on the campus. And like, sometimes when you leave college, you feel like you're like, you don't, you're not really in the know as yeah. And that's what like the school of session musicians is pretty much like right so being a session musician is like being in graduate school yeah yeah something like that yeah you're you're cool you're cooler than regular school yeah but what are some of like getting off of names what are just some of the best bass lines that you've ever heard like what sticks out to you oh man well, besides all the ones I've been naming as the individual ones for all the songs, because yeah. the first thing I thought of was Aeroplane when you said this again. So I'll say it again. Go listen to Aeroplane by the yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. I love Papa Was a Rolling Stone. I feel like I, that's probably the first bass I paid attention to as a baby or something, because that just pops in my head right. That's the, the first thing. That's true. And I don't, I mean, I'm going to assume it's James on the bass there. I hope so. <laughs> I'm not sure. If it's someone else, I'm sorry. We didn't shout you out. <laughs> if Barry made James take a day off, but that is, that sucks you in right away. You're like, what's going, there's a story that's going to be told. You could just feel that a story is going to come up, you know? Yeah. And that's a, that's really a, uh, a testament to how you, it really is about what's best for the song. Cause that is not a complicated baseline. Right. But when you hear it, you're just like, oh. Mm-hmm. What's what's going down? Mm-hmm. What's about to happen? That's those are the words. What's going down? That's the type, <laughs> right? Right. That's the yeah. vibe it's giving you. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Oh my god. I feel like I'm so on the spot. Why? I. I. My brain is like, oh, the lights are on. I'm not gonna work anymore. <laughs> Why? What do I need to think for? I like I like the bass lines in Joy Division's music. <gasps> oh, we didn't talk about we didn't talk about Peter Hook. Yeah. Peter Hook, Joy Division. Yeah. So this was super important also because. Joy Division was coming out of the ashes of like the original punk wave. Yes. And Peter Hook really made the bass way more important in the sound mm-hmm. because not only was he, you know, doing more melodic things, but he was p- purposely playing really high up on the bass so that it would cut through everything else. Yes. Right? So you get instead of like boom 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 you'd be like yeah yeah isn't that cool the guitar is super low and the bass is high yeah that was that's one of the coolest things about joy division's music to me is that again we talk about you know using the bass as like a lead instrument yeah that is the bass being a lead instrument but also not being flashy yeah you know what i mean it's still locking into the groove yeah but it's playing in a range that you would not expect from that type of music or really just from that instrument yeah you know absolutely and that kind of music um definitely lived in clubs more than anything it wasn't definitely a sound where it was like okay let's go see this at central park or a live show this is like a club sound um speaking of club i like club and house music's bass lines i know that's not necessarily the electric bass but they take the sound of the bass yeah put it into the synthesizer mm-hmm. and then make some heavy bass grooves out of it so i just want to shout out some house music shout out oh i will say um i said this earlier but billy g and bassline yeah that's one of the best bass lines yeah. i wish i remembered the guy yeah i wish i wish <laughs> i wish We'll put his picture. Booty Collins. Of course. Oh, my gosh. I just... <laughs> he's not who I was saying for Billie Jean, but I just remember Booty Collins. Yes. The fucking legend. Yes. Everything about him is so cool. Yeah. The way that he dresses. Uh-huh. The way that he plays the bass. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen to Parliament Funkin' Dead. I mean, what... I mean, I don't know if I could pick one song to suggest. Right. No. All of them. All of them. All of them. Like that style of music is just awesome. The funk, the funk into the soul. We want the funk. Uh huh. Gotta have that funk. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Reminds me of the Isley Brothers, and I like Ernie Isley and all of his bass Mm. groove. So any Isley Brothers song, just go and take it away. He can play bass. He can play guitar. He can play it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Oh man, there's just so much. And it's just so funny because like for most of my adult not adult listening life, but like when I was listening to music as a kid, I never thought about the bass. I was always thinking about the guitar so much that mm-hmm. I just didn't even think about it. And like as I dive deeper into basses 
and base players and base tone and base technique. I just feel like it's a whole world that was living like right under my eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I'm still learning. Yeah. And that there's so much skill into it. That's what I didn't really um, notice as well. Um, that, because sometimes the bass just sounds like you're just playing a couple of notes, but mm. it it's like, it's definitely a bigger, bigger canvas than that. Um, Flea can prove that to you. And so many other artists like Jocko. Can Tina Weymouth prove it to you? Oh, <laughs> Tina Weymouth from, not the Talking Heads. Nuh-uh. <laughs> talking Heads. Exactly. Okay, she, I would say she's also very underrated. Yeah. Because her bass lines were very funky, but also like arty mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Which is like what the talking, what talking heads did. <laughs> all right, I deserve all the internet hate for that. That's what he I fucked said. it up. <laughs> Can you run in place and pay the bass? Play, wait, can you run, run in place run and in place play the bass? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Tina can. <laughs> Great bass lines. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just so, like, it's one of those, it's just the vibe. Like, I realized that the whole vibe of the song is set by the bass a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you might have, you know, some chords that, like, the song is based around, but the energy yeah. that the chords go with a lot of the time is set by the bass. Definitely set by the bass. And, and in particular for this band, for Talking Heads too. Yes. It doesn't hurt that the person you share the rhythm section with, you pretty much share a bed with, you know, it doesn't and a hurt. <laughs> and a life with. So you can kind of gel together and make that, you know, definite sound for Talking Heads. But her bass lines are like, you don't even realize that there's a girl back there playing them and I'm, I'm just being honest like she's so petite she's so unassuming and then you're just like you're hearing all these grooves you and hear them and then, you, it. and then you see them yeah. you know what I mean and you're just like whoa what an eclectic bunch mm-hmm. and you know she's gonna do it well because that's why you came to see them because it sounded right. so good so she doesn't have to prove anything to you but an awesome bassist Tina Weymouth for sure absolutely awesome I also <gasps> <laughs> how yeah. do you forget <laughs> I also want to shout out a man by the name of John Deacon. Really? Yes. Okay, go. I think John Deacon is a great bass player. Yeah. And he has some of the most memorable bass lines of all time. Two in particular. Okay. Literally, one of it, one of them is one of the most famous bass lines of all time. It's two notes. That's true. You can have one if you can write one of the most memorable riffs that's ever existed using two notes. That says something about you. Oh yeah. You know what I mean. And then obviously, and then also do do do. Copyrighted. Legendary. Yeah. Absolutely legendary. Like you. Don't even know how to know what band that is Mm-mm. or what the song is about Mm-mm. or anything. You just hear that bass line, you gotta get up and move. Oh yeah. It's just it's just, it's absolutely infectious. It's true. And it's another thing, it's not difficult. It's not super hard to pull off. It just fits right into the groove mm-hmm. and it just sets the tone and that's it. That's it. And I feel like I wasn't there, but I feel like as soon as he played that, he was like, that's it. <laughs> There's just no way. Like I feel like that's one of the things. As a, as a, you know, someone that plays like an instrument, somebody sometimes you find a riff and you just want to keep playing it over and over and over again. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to figure out what the story. It's not another. It's either another one bites the dust, or it's under pressure. And John was playing around with the bass before mm. they went to lunch. They went to lunch. They came back and he forgot it. Under pressure. Okay. And yeah. okay. And someone else remembered it. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to John Deacon. I mean, it's he might have. I mean, his baseline might be the most famous. Yeah. When you think, like, it's hard to say exactly, but just those two songs. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like everybody knows that. Yeah. 
I yeah, don't know. Yeah. It's just wild. Um, yeah, because we're talking about stadium rock here. That's the only reason why I can agree. You know, it's just the size of the crowds that they used to amass. You know, that make yeah. that makes me kind of agree that that's probably like the most uh, famous. You know, you got some rap bass lines that people know that. Um, uh, what you call it? Uh, Elvis's Jailhouse Rock was mm-hmm. one of the most known bass lines ever. As soon as it started, like the whole world knew exactly what song that was. Right. And that's kind of been trumped by like one of Biggie's songs. Um, uh, I think it's Hypnotize. And it's, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's Hypnotize. But uh, it's a Biggie song, though. Mm-hmm. It is a Biggie song. Yeah, I think, man, I'm, I might be messing up on the Biggie song, but it's definitely a Biggie song that everybody knows. And they're just like, it's it's either neck and neck or it's past the Elvis one. Yeah. So, yeah. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I think it is hypnotized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but was that, that was a, that's got to be a sample from somewhere, right? Yeah, but I don't know what it is. I don't either. Me neither. And it's funny because the other biggest Biggie song I know is a sample of Ice Brothers. Yes. But I don't know about that one, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look that up now because now, now it's going to be stuck in my head. I'm like, where did that bass line come from? Exactly. Exactly. Did Rick James sometimes play bass? Yeah. Yeah. Rick yeah. James, another legend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah He's yeah. underrated just in general. I think so. I think he just because his antics were just too wild. He was a little wild. <laughs> he was a little bit of a crazy guy. I mean, didn't he like keep some girl like prisoner like burner with his crack pipes and shit there was a little bit of kidnapping involved yeah just a tiny bit not too much guys we don't condone that she she went home (laughs) (laughs) she lived to tell the story um yeah no he did play the bass and those are some um yeah i think about all night long right give it to me baby yeah Yeah, that i mean there's so many uh there's give it to me baby they're super freak yeah yeah i mean killing it killing it especially in the early 80s i mean that that's a legendary legendary basis so absolutely and i feel like he owes a lot to larry graham yes i feel like that whole it's so interesting like i'm glad that we talked about them first because i feel like you can literally have like a tree Mm -hmm. where like larry graham is like the seeds of the tree that is like all funk music yeah you know what i mean it's it's really crazy when you think of how influential his technique was Mm -hmm. on the bass Mm -hmm. like to think of a whole new way to play the bass like that like it's crazy it's like i said before he's like eddie van halen but for the bass it's like nobody thought to do that shit until he came along he was just like what if I just do it like this? And they're like, oh, now we're all going to do that. And Eddie Van Halen was not only uh, uh, the guitarist bassist, but Eddie Van Halen also used to write the bass lines for Van Halen. So we can kind of put him in a bassist category. But Van Halen's not known for their bass. so I don't even want to say what I want to say. This is the bass line for running for the, running for the devil. Boom, 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 boom. 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 <laughs> and he's like, do I have to do everything? <laughs> well, when you have a guitar play like that, the bass can just do the bare minimum. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> you could even have your son do it. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he's a baby. Look at him go. Shout out to Eddie. Yeah. Um, fuck, we got to do a Van Halen podcast, too. We should. We I feel like should. we've done so many awesome artists. We still have so many more to do. Yeah, there's so many in the world, so it's good. Um, bass players, bass players. Who else? I mean, obviously, like we said before, there's some we're missing. I, I I hope somebody at home is just like screaming somebody out yeah. right now that we're totally forgetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's, ah, there's, I've, we're gonna look at the comments and we're gonna be like, how did we forget this person? Mm-hmm. It's just gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And like, what do you, what do you want? What do you want us to do, guys? What do you want us to do, guys? You should watch these podcasts more and more, so that we would have more time to research more artists. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the more you watch, the more we could produce. Yeah. Right. That's science. <laughs> um, I feel like there was somebody else I was definitely going to say that I'm now forgetting. Uh oh. Like seventies era. Ah, crap. But I don't want to just sit here and have a bunch of dead air while I'm trying to think about it. Um, yeah, but there's the magic of editing. There is the magic of... No, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I, don't, I can't... I mean, there's too many to think of, but I don't know uh, names right away. So, you know, I mean, I love the Jimi Hendrix experience. But... Oh, wait. No, Mitch Mitchell was the drummer right. for Jimi Hendrix. 
Chaz Chandler? No, he was the bass player for the Animals. Okay. Ah. Chaz Chandler. I mean, what are these names? I'm going to be Cifa SoCal. <laughs> From Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, Phil Lesh, Grateful Dead. Okay. I, I feel like somebody in the comments would have mentioned that. Somebody, I beat you. <laughs> I beat you. You know who you are. I definitely feel someone would have. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and then then you get into like we're pretty. I mean, we're pretty. Obviously, we talked about funk and like Motown, but we're pretty much talking about just rock music. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of other kinds of music. Yeah. So it's like there's so much to do, and that's why again, like we were kind of saying in the beginning, like. Think of this, if anything, as like a part one, mm-hmm. because if we could always go back and do more. Oh, yeah. I mean, we could take this to so many parts. Like, I mean. Parts unknown. Yeah, because I watch other like huge musician channels and they're constantly doing their best yeah. you know, things. I mean, and they've been on for years. So why not us? Why not? <laughs> People don't like us. <laughs> it's okay. We understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. Are we, are, do, we, do we end it? <laughs> we can end it yeah i have no more basis. all right we're out <laughs> no i'm kidding um this has been another episode of music maniacs with side after dark yep um the bass playing extraordinaires <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for watching thanks for hearing us talk about shit that we probably should know more about before yeah. recording it and putting out on the internet <laughs> for all to see but we're glad that you're here yeah we thank you for watching and until next time we'll see you soon peace